Welcome into another episode of the Rush Review Podcast with Zach and Justin. Uh, what we're going to do, uh, we'll continue to do, is you know break down the, the past week's action. Uh, we're going to dive into our Rush Risers, our Rush Fallers, our Rush Power Rankings, and then we're going to give you some pickums. Uh, and then at the uh, little towards the end of the episode, we got a guest spot from Jordan Hill, uh, who covers. Uh, Auburn sports, um, mostly football and basketball for the Opelika Auburn News, and uh, we're we're excited to have him on the podcast, and uh, like I said, we'll get to that a little bit later. Really excited to have Jordan on and see what he has to say about those Auburn Tigers, this week's big matchup over in Jordan Hare, and uh, just any other general tidbits that he can give us. Unfortunately, I won't be able to be in attendance for that interview, but I have given Zach a couple of questions to throw in there, so I'll be interested to see what Jordan has to say on that. Um, as always, guys, we're excited to have you in here listening to us and, and the content we bring you. If you are enjoying it, as always, if you don't mind, give us a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Give us a share. Give us a follow. That all helps us out. We'd love to see it. Zach, I think I want to start off just recapping a little bit of scores from last week. We'll just start off kind of in a times-oriented fashion of how the games uh, started for last Saturday. We'll start off with Georgia and Arkansas. The dogs let a whipping on those hogs. What are your takeaways? Yeah, um, unfortunately, that was my upset of the week last week. Uh, clearly, that did not happen. Um, you know, Georgia's Georgia's very impressive this year, and I thought Arkansas would, you know, Arkansas wide receivers would finally challenge that defense a little bit, break open a little bit, but it did not. Um, I tell you what, Georgia is is very good this year, and that and that matchup in uh, in Atlanta this year uh, against Bama, if uh, Georgia actually makes it, which I think they will, it's going to be a very interesting one because. I tell you right now, the dogs have a very good shot at making some noise in Atlanta and in the college football playoff. Um, if they don't get it this year, I really don't think that they're ever going to do it. Um, so they have a really talented team, even though JT Daniels hasn't played um, and he's questionable to play against Auburn as well. Um, but I mean, they're still they're still rocking and rolling, and they're very impressive this year. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go straight and jump and say that if they don't do it this year, they're not ever going to do it. With the way that they're recruiting, it is kind of hard to say that, in my opinion. But this year does stack up very well for them as far as uh, what they've got talent-wise on both sides of the ball, uh, namely on defense. Pitching their second SEC shutout in a row, which they haven't done since 1980, that, that is quite impressive. I didn't, uh, I didn't pick Arkansas last week, so I'm not as upset as Zach is, but I definitely didn't expect it to be a shutout, so they're looking pretty impressive. And uh, I texted Zach a little bit pregame last week about if Stetson Bennett's the QB, then I don't know. I think, I think my line's going to drop a little bit, and I will have to say I was a little bit wrong on that. Now, the dogs weren't relying on Stetson to pass too much. They got their run game clicking, but uh, if, if you have that defense, then that may be all you need. It may not matter who's playing quarterback, Zach. It might not, and well, it obviously showed that it really didn't. Um, and like, like we've said numerous times before, that defense is, is pretty stellar. Yeah, an interesting note uh, for those of you that don't know already, Stetson Bennett is already named the starter this week against Auburn too, and we'll touch a little bit more on that later when we get some predictions in there. But for now, moving on, let's chat about that other noon game from this past Saturday, Tennessee taking on Missouri. This one, uh, this one ended up being kind of interesting. It did. Um, you know, I said it last week uh, when I picked Tennessee to win is that Missouri defense, uh, the run defense specifically, 
was was pretty porous and it and it showed when you know Tennessee rattled off close to like 400 yards rushing against the Tigers um, you know they they also you know were pretty steady passing as well um, you know they just pretty much dominated in all facets of the game uh, Hendon Hooker I believe has solidified himself as the starting QB moving forward for Tennessee uh, Missouri's got to do a little bit of uh, readjustment I feel like um, because you know they they stumbled against Boston College here they got beat pretty badly against Tennessee so I feel like Missouri just needs to kind of readjust a bit uh, and kind of figure out what they want to do uh, you know offensively and defensively surprisingly enough Missouri fired their defensive line coach after that game uh, so it looks like they have a lot of things to figure out going forward. Yeah, I think they do. I, I predict Tennessee to win this one pretty big. I didn't expect them to hang 62 points on Missouri, but uh, as you kind of told us last broadcast, to be kind of looking out for that rush game, and it definitely proved true. So 62-24 uh, to 24 was your final score there. The balls are looking pretty good so far. We'll see how, it lo how they look when they take on South Carolina this Saturday. Ole Miss, Alabama, that was kind of my marquee game last week, one to watch for. Uh, this one ended up being a little bit further than I expected. Alabama, 42-21. to 21. Any interesting tidbits on that one, Zach? Uh, the interesting thing is that Alabama, you know, was able to hold Ole Miss in check for pretty much the first half. I don't know that, I don't believe that Ole Miss scored in that first half. They did not. Um, so, you know, that was the thing coming in. Could that Alabama defense atone for last year and, and kind of, you know, contain the Ole Miss offense? Um, I think they did. Um, you know, they did they did it pretty well in the first half, not allowing any points scored. Um, so I, I think that, you know, that makes this Alabama team dangerous as well. You know, they haven't shut out a team for a full game in SEC play, but they've shut one out for a full half. Um, so... It's going to be interesting going forward to see what the rest of the season looks like for Alabama. Yeah, you're right. They didn't show a team entirely um, in Ole Miss, but when you have Ole Miss and that high-octane offense, who's really going to be able to shut them down for an entire four quarters, if you ask me? Um, they had to fill a popcorn, though, in that one. Uh, they that Golden did atone for last year's debacle, uh, allowing so much offense. Uh, Zach, you said it, no points in the first half. Bama has a solid team on both sides of the ball, in my opinion, and you said it, Zach. They're going to be uh, they're going to be kind of dangerous. Uh, number one team still in my book so far, but we'll get to those full rankings a little bit later. South Carolina and Troy up next uh, to evaluate for a couple minutes here. South Carolina celebrates a little bit early, but they do win, 23 to 14. I feel like that uh, you know that tossed ball before you cross the goal line perfectly sums up South Carolina's season so far. So close yet so far away. <laughs> you know, they had the uh, the mishap, well, not mishap, um, but, you know, they had the near miss against ECU. Um, they struggle a little bit with Troy. I think Troy's probably one of the better scoring defenses um, in the in the game. Um, and, you know, they, they edged out, you know, a, a lesser opponent, uh, so South Carolina, not quite there yet. Could possibly be on the rise, though. Yeah, I agree with you. It kind of sums up their season. They're they're kind of one of these teams that have to have to win in some of these dog fights. And if we're being honest, to some lesser competition, but they're getting W's in some of those games. Uh, so that's kind of what you also need to turn a program around to show some of that fight. And uh, maybe Beamer can put some of that together. I tell you, we'll figure out 
more about this team, more about two teams this coming week, actually, as Tennessee and South Carolina face each other. So, uh, moving on, though, again, we're just touching on these games real quick, highlighting some points, highlighting some notes. Florida and Kentucky, that was a big one from last week and kind of surprising. It was. Um, you know, the Wildcats showed there for real. Um, I don't know that I believe all of the hype surrounding the Wildcats. I mean, if there is hype, yes, they just beat Florida. Um, actually, I, I have a little bit of a controversy in my power ranking that we'll touch on a little <laughs> bit later. But, yeah. Give him your comments on that later, folks. Kentucky still remains undefeated um, so far this year. But uh, I don't know that I believe that the Wildcats are that good. Uh, I think Florida may have just found themselves overlooking Kentucky a little bit. And, you know, it may have been more Florida's doing than Kentucky's doing. Um, but that, that's what I take away from the game. Yeah, Kentucky's one of those teams. I just talked about South Carolina having to win some dogfights. I think in the SEC, Kentucky is the essence of a team that has to win in those dogfights. And they've done it so far, again, to the tune of 5-0, and undefeated. Um, so, if they, again, if they're finding a way to win, then you have to give them some credit. I agree with you, Zach. I don't know that they're as good as their record might advertise. We're definitely going to find out more of that. But, again, credit where credit's due. 5-0, and and they beat Florida, and they haven't done that in Lexington in many years. So they broke that streak. Uh, moving on, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. This is one that I think Zach and I both mispredicted last week. Mississippi State pulls an upset, if you will, 26-22. to Yeah, I mean, it's only a matter of time before Mike Leach gets his offense rolling. And unfortunately, Texas A&M was the beneficiary of that rolling offense. Uh, Beneficiary may not be the right word there, but, you know, know, once that high-powered, you know, air raid offense gets going and Mike Leach can dial up the plays he wants, he's really dangerous. Can he sustain it in the SEC? more specifically, the SEC West, I don't know, but he was able to get a win over a team who looked like uh, it was going to be the number two team in the West coming into this year. Yeah, exactly. And uh, A&M, they, they are struggling right now. I think their biggest thing is probably a quarterback. They're not having great quarterback play. And Mississippi State was able to capitalize on that, really. And again, about giving credit where credit is due, Mike Leach's whole agenda is about air raid offense, quarterback, just throwing the ball down your throat, and that's what they did to the tune of 408 yards is what Will Rogers had. So, yeah, they're hard to stop when they get that thing rolling, Zach. You kind of alluded to that, and uh, they got away in this one 26-22. Uh, we'll talk about UConn and Vanderbilt next. UConn and that powerhouse of a team going into Nashville. Uh, they do lose by two to Vandy. Vandy's able to get their second win of the season, 30-28. to yeah, what can you say about Vanderbilt? Um, they got a win. Uh, that's that's a plus, you know. Um, Clark Lee has a major job on his hands trying to, you know, put Bandy back to where James Franklin had it. That would be the ultimate goal. Um, you know, a little bit of a lesser goal is to, you know, put it where Derek Mason had it a few years where they were, you know, winning and, you know, kind of bowl eligible. Um, but, yeah, they got the win against UConn. They probably should have won a whole lot more by a whole lot more than just two points. But congratulations, Vandy, you got the win. Yeah, uh, I will say I like what Lee is trying to do. Going back to his alma mater, he wants to build that program a little bit. You know, he played for it. He has a little bit of love for it based off that. So I like a coach that comes in there to their alma mater and tries to do that. But again, he does have a 
tough road ahead to get this program where he ultimately wants to get it. You know, uh, even if you are the consensus 14 rush-ranked team, according to mine and Zach's rankings, even if you are that 14th team in the SEC, I do think you have to put away an 0-6 UConn team more, you know, by more than two points. So, again, as Zach said, Vandy got the win. Congratulations. But you're going to have to do a little bit more if you want to have uh, some consistent competition and, and be able to win some of these SEC games. Yeah, we need to see a little bit more if you want to move up to 13. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got another team holding that spot right now. We'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, we're going to see some We're going we're gonna to see some more from you, Vandy. Uh, all right, final game from last week that we'll give a couple tidbits on. This was uh, one of the most interesting games to me, and uh, probably because it was one of the closer games. Auburn LSU uh, over in Baton Rouge, 24-19. Auburn was able to sneak away with the win in that one, Zach. Yeah, Bo Nix, um, you know, he. I didn't know who was going to start. Uh, I thought T.J. Finley might end up starting. Um, you know, Bo Nix got the start, and he, he really showed – uh, some flashes of the Bo Nicks that I have seen, uh, you know, from his future, not his future, but from his beginning at Auburn. Uh, I thought he was a really good quarterback coming out of high school. I thought he was going to do some things at Auburn. And, you know, his freshman year, I kind of saw that uh, going, you know, his COVID, COVID shortened last season. He kind of stumbled a little bit, and then he stumbled a little bit to start, the, you know, the beginning of this year. Um, and that led to his benching during Georgia State. And, I got to see a little bit more of those flashes in this LSU game that ultimately led him to a win. I mean, he scrambled out of the pocket. Uh, he made some plays with those feet, and it, it looked like the Bo Nicks that I saw coming out of high school. It did. It looked a lot like what uh, we are used to seeing from him. Uh, there was some magic from Bo Nicks last Saturday night. Was able to pull away that 24-19 win. We're going to have to see how they take this win and ultimately use it as fuel for the rest of their season. Uh, we're actually going to be able to find that out this week as they host Georgia. So we're really going to see what they're made of facing the uh, caliber team that the Dogs have. Yeah, we're uh, going to get to those pickums a little bit later. So Justin, just keep chomping at the bit for a little bit longer. Um, right now, we're kind of going to glide into our rush risers and fallers segment. Justin, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, and I'm actually, I'm taking a note from yours uh, last week as far as your riser goes. I'm giving it to the Georgia defense. Now, they are already about as high caliber as you can say. You know, we've been talking about them all season at this point. But the reason they made my risers list is because if you shut out an SEC team two times in a row, no matter who your opponent is, uh, whether it's Vandy two weeks ago, 62 to nothing, or even a more stout Arkansas team this week, uh, 37 to nothing, that's pretty dang impressive. So even though we've already, we've already talked about them as, as early as last week, being Zach's riser, uh, they're my riser this week. That front seven looks nasty. The defensive line with Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, you, you roll it around to the linebackers too with N'Kobe Dean right there in the middle and Adam Sackman-Anderson getting in there too. And, hey, I'm leaving, I'm leaving a lot of players out, but I also want to give credit to that secondary, too. Uh, they were the question mark coming into the season. They look pretty strong at this point. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty good pick for a riser this week. Um, you know, I, I, I've said it once, I'll say it again. You know, my upset was Arkansas. I thought they would challenge, but they didn't. Anyway, my rush riser for this week is Bo Nix. Last week, I chose the Auburn quarterback situation as a faller, so in a nice turn of events, Bo Nix is my rush riser this week. Um, as I said in the evaluation of the Auburn LSU game, he, he showed me some sparks of what he 
was last year and what he can be in the future. Um, I, you know, I said it before, I like this kid coming out of high school. I think he has the shot to be a pretty decent quarterback. Uh, that's the reason that he's my riser for this week. Interesting turn of events there. I kind of like that. It's kind of a Phoenix situation over there for your riser and faller. Not, not, not saying that's going to happen every week uh, where a faller then becomes a riser, but it just happened this week. We have no patterns here, folks. We are off the cuff. Uh, so we'll move into the fallers. I'll go ahead and kick mine off. My faller, uh, this one may not be uh, a popular pick, but my faller is Dan Mullen. Uh, I, I didn't like the way, obviously, how they performed in that game. They took an L against Kentucky. Not many of us would have predicted that. I didn't like the whole demeanor about how he came off the field and he was smiling too. I mean, you just took a loss. I don't see how you can come off the field kind of smiling like that and be all giddy. So he took a little bit of controversy, you know, from some major media platforms about that. And I just see this team losing another one to two games this year. So what's uh, what's really going on in Florida? That's my big question. And that's kind of why, uh, that's, that's the whole reason Dan Mullen is on my follower sheet this week. That's a very interesting pick for a, a faller this week. I did not see that coming. Um, I, I like it. I, I really like the take. It's a very interesting take, and I, you know, I think you know it's it's very very well thought out of you, Justin. Um, I'm actually going to take a quarterback. Or I'm sorry, not a quarterback situation. A head coach situation as well as my faller, and that is Coach O's job security. We've uh, touched on that a couple times. We have it. we have touched on it before, um, and I know, and I will note that I didn't think there was a chance that he could get ousted as early as you know the end of this season. Um, I thought it would lead into next season, see what happens, um, and then you know maybe talk about some hot seat talk. But you know the more I look and I listen, the more I hear people talking about. Will Orgeron finish the season as the head coach of the Tigers? And with a matchup against Kentucky coming up this week, it's you know not a foregone conclusion that LSU is going to win that game. Um, and you know Orgeron could be staring down the barrel of a very dicey SEC schedule coming up, where I just said they play Kentucky this week, they play Florida the week after. Um, then you've got a gauntlet of Ole Miss, Alabama, and Justin. Who else do they play? Arkansas to top Ar- it off. Arkansas. I mean, the schedule definitely doesn't get any easier for Coach O going forward, and that is why he's going to be my faller for this week. I ultimately like your faller there. Uh, we've touched on him a couple times this season. Will this be the year that they send Orgeron on the outs? It's kind of unfortunate we're talking about that coming off of 2019 National Championship season, but in the SEC, you've got to keep winning and keep performing, and he's not doing that. It's all about what have you done for me lately, and he hasn't done a whole lot lately. You're absolutely right. And I think this is a pretty good point to actually kind of rank where these teams fall in the SEC. So let's do some rush rankings, Zach. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, I'm ready. Um, I'll tell you this right now. My one and two have definitely not changed. It's... Vandy in South Carolina. Yeah, Vandy in South Carolina, exactly. (laughs) Um, It's Alabama and Georgia, and I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. Um, That's that's what it's going to be for now, and that's what it looks like it's going to be up until the matchup in Atlanta. Well, breaking news from my rankings, uh, I'm exactly with Zach on that one. Uh, Georgia second, Alabama ahead of them at first. 
You know, it's uh, almost like you said last week, 1A, 1B maybe at this point, but until you can knock off the Kings, if you will, Georgia, you're going to be at number two, but it's definitely really close. Who do you got at number three? Number three is where the controversy starts. Oh, is this what you alluded to earlier? This is. Number three, I have Florida. And I know what you're thinking. Kentucky just beat Florida. Why is Florida your number three? Why, yes, Zach, I was just thinking that. (laughs) Well, the reason for that is the fact that uh, to this point, Florida is the only team that has played Alabama close this year and that Kentucky had a near fall against FCS opponent Chattanooga. Um, that, those are the reasons that Florida still, or not steal, but those are the reasons that Florida goes to number three for me and not Kentucky. Yeah, that is some controversy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of all about head-to-head matchups, and if you beat someone head-to-head, they're probably going to take priority in my mind, but I like it. I like having some controversy and takes. Uh, Kentucky is going to be my number three team, and, and you're right. They had some close calls to lesser opponents, but the thing I like about Kentucky is grit. They're, they're finding ways to squeak these games out. They're having to uh, dogfight in them, but they're squeaking them out. So Kentucky undefeated, the only other undefeated team in the SEC, is number three for me. Um, my number four is Kentucky, um, you know, and it's it's because, yet like I said, uh, it's because of those near misses. You know, they, they kind of struggled against Missouri a little bit um, in their first SEC matchup of the year. Um, but that's why I've got to have Kentucky at four and not ahead of Florida, even though they beat them in the head-to-head. Again, I like the take. My four is going to be Arkansas, and uh, actually I'm going to go ahead and label four, five, and six, and then we may have to back up for Zach's here. But the reason I'm doing four, five, and six is because I could almost interchange these in my mind. And secondly, they're going to take care of themselves in the coming weeks, all in the SEC West. So I've got four is Arkansas, five is Ole Miss, six is Auburn. Uh, uh, Comment a little bit on that. Arkansas, they went through a buzzsaw in Georgia, didn't score any points on that defense. Not many teams are going to score points on that defense this year, it doesn't look like. So I'd I'd be curious to see how Arkansas does against an Ole Miss, against an Auburn, against an LSU, and of course we're going to see that. Ole Miss, you know, they went against Alabama, who it's kind of the same thing. Who's really going to compete with Alabama this year? Uh, Florida did, so I guess we can say Florida did, but then Florida is what Florida is now, losing to Kentucky. So, but anyway, um, Ole Miss did the same thing. Didn't have much of a chance in that game, uh, but I still like their offense. I like what Lane Lane Kiffin is doing with that high octane, and he's bringing life to the defense as well. So, they'll be able to compete. They just went against Alabama. Auburn is an interesting note. LSU, they came out with a victory. Bo Nix uh, ends up being your starting quarterback. Probably going to start in this game. I don't think there's any QB controversy, as Zach was kind of alluding to this week. So it'll be interesting to see how they take on Georgia. I don't know if many folks are giving them a chance, but again, as far as the SEC West goes from second place kind of on back, I think that any of these teams could really challenge for that spot. So therefore, that's why they're ranked as such. Um, At five and six, I actually have Auburn over Arkansas. Um, Auburn in the five spot, Arkansas in the six spot. Reason being is, you know, the the win against uh, LSU for Auburn um, really impressed me. The fact that Arkansas struggled so much against Georgia, granted it is Georgia and, you know, you're going to struggle against that team. Um, But, you know, the struggle is what kind of led me to give Auburn the edge even though Auburn did have a little bit of a near mishap against Georgia State Um, uh, but you know to that point it's the the fact that 
coming out of it they put up a strong showing against LSU and that's what gave the edge to Auburn for me uh, in these rankings. Yeah and for me Arkansas, Ole Miss, Auburn as I said you can kind of take those in my rankings and kind of put them in any one of those positions and this is something that's going to take shape here in the next couple weeks so we will get a basis on what these teams actually are. Uh, Ole Miss, I don't think I heard them from you, Zach. Are they number seven for you? They are number seven. Um, yeah, the reason they're at number seven is, yeah, they lost to Alabama, but um, and they, they struggled a little bit in the first half. But in the second half, they were able to kind of get back into the groove of things. They were able to get the ball moving a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, Ole Miss is going to be my number seventh ranked team this week. I like that. I mean, it's almost like we're giving uh, Ole Miss and, in my case, Arkansas a little bit of a pass this week for taking on those top two teams. I don't want to say a pass. I mean, it's kind of hard to say that, but it is what it is. Auburn and Georgia look pretty strong. So we have to see Arkansas and Ole Miss take up some of their fellow conference opponents outside of those two to really get their scope. Um, one team I'm not giving a pass on, uh, two rather, is Florida this week. They dropped in my rankings a little bit this week. Uh, they're my number seven team, and I kind of told you about the Dan Mullen being my rush faller. Gave you that story, and I don't know who Florida is this year. Not I, only is Dan Mullen a faller, his whole team is apparently. <laughs> <laughs> in my uh, in my rush rankings, that is exactly right. And uh, as I was saying, I don't know who Florida is as a team this year, and I could very easily see them taking another one to two, heck, maybe even three losses with how they performed against Kentucky. Uh, so for that reason, they're at seven right now, and we'll see how that holds up next week. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I I didn't envision you know hearing them fall that much, but hey, you know it's your opinion, and and I stick by your opinion <laughs> uh, because you are my co-host. Obviously here. not three for Florida <laughs> and Kentucky beat them. What are we doing here, Zach? Um, at number eight, I have Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State got a good win over a Texas A&M team this week, um, and you know they're. Mike, like I said earlier in the eval, Mike Leach may be finally getting um, his players to click in that air raid offense. Um, I hope he, you know, I hope he does. I'd like to see Mississippi State make some noise in the West, and I'd love to see the Pirate make some noise in the West for sure. I love that guy. Um, so that's why Mississippi State is at eight for me. Eight for me is going to be LSU. We talked about Ed O a little bit earlier in our segment, but I'm holding out a little glimmer of hope for him to kind of maintain some fuel and, and get some wins here in the West. Uh, Ed O at eight for me, but I don't know exactly how long it's going to hold. Uh, eight was Mississippi State for Zach. I've got them at nine, and I could easily transpose those. Just like I said, they're kind of two teams that are right there in that groove. Uh, Mike Leach is kind of clicking on offense. We've attested to that, but it'll be interesting to see how these two teams develop. Eight LSU, nine Mississippi State for me. Uh, I have LSU at nine. Uh, so as Justin said, these teams can flip-flop, and obviously they did um, in our separate rankings here. Um, and, you know, LSU, um, you know, the Death Valley at night is supposed to be intimidating, and Auburn came in and showed that it wasn't. Uh, so that's why LSU's at nine. There's been some stumbles for me. Uh, in you know this year well actually dating back to last year for coach O um, and I, I don't know if he's going to come out on the right side of this thing. Yeah his hangover is riding into 2021 right so we'll see how he does but we can easily flip-flop those teams for now they'll ride like that one team that we're not flip-flopping this week is A&M consensus number 10 in our rush rankings. It is um, you know A&M suffered that loss to Mississippi State 
Um, you know, they, they could have easily lost to Colorado earlier in the season. Um, you know, A&M's just not living up to the billing of the potential number two in the West, um, and I, that may be mainly due to quarterback play. I think it is, yep. um, So that's, that's why they're at number 10 for me. There was a little glimmer that they could have flipped with Tennessee uh, in my rankings, uh, but I just I chose to keep them, to stick them at 10 and keep it at Tennessee at 11. Yeah, A&M at 10 for me, I said. Tennessee also at 11 for me. I agree with what you said. Tennessee looked pretty great this past weekend, and that's kind of what you expect to see from this new hypo offense, this uh, quick-paced, uh, you-want-to-score-points type of offense that he's trying to bring into. My question is, how good does it really look against a Missouri team that is definitely liking some defense, and Zach talked a little bit about that defense last week. So uh, 11 for me with Tennessee. Yeah, as I said a little bit ago, I've got Tennessee at 11 as well. Um, they showed out um, against this Missouri team um, who actually played Kentucky pretty close earlier in the season. Um, you know, putting up 60 points is a big plus. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm going to give a little bit of an early preview into my pick em, but I think they're going to put 60 up against this week against South Carolina as well. Um, and if they do that, the, you might see a little bit of movement in my rankings, but we'll just have to see. Um, at 12, I keep Missouri at 12. Um, yet again, kind of even though it was a loss um, and then South Carolina had a win, uh, they're going to be my 13. But the reason that Missouri is at 12 over South Carolina is just the competition. Um, you know. Tennessee's SEC team, Troy is not. They're a group of five team, and I don't really value that nine-point win against a Troy team uh, that uh, South Carolina beat, and that's why I have them ranked below Missouri. I, I do hear what you're saying, but here, here, here's how it shakes out for me. I do have South Carolina at 12, moving up one spot, and Missouri down to one spot to 13, and here's a little bit of my insight on that is South Carolina, yeah, I agree with you. I don't value a slim win against Troy, but one thing I have seen from them, uh, for example, in, say, ECU, is a little bit of that grit that I was talking about earlier, a willingness to keep fighting a little bit. Even if it is an inferior opponent, you got to fight these teams to the end and get that W. I don't think I'm seeing that from Missouri. Uh, I, I don't see that from them. They got run over against the, uh, by Tennessee in that offense. So uh, for that, I'm giving Missouri the 13th spot and flip-flopping those two. Well, as I said earlier, our consensus number 14 team is Vanderbilt. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean <coughs> to keep... Georgia State, Vanderbilt's 35. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't mean to keep harping on Vanderbilt. I don't want to kick, you know, anybody while they're down. Um, but it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, rough sledding ahead for this you know the rest of this year for Clark Lee and I feel like it's going to be rough sledding for a couple of years until he can hopefully right the ship um, you know I hope he does as Justin talked about it's nice to see a, a guy coming back to their alma mater to try to correct some you know inferior things from the past um, I just think it's going to take Clark Lee a little while to do that and I hope that Bandy gives him the chance mm -hmm. to try and do that yeah, will he have the time to do that before you, uh, what a lot of these teams do and, and kick the coaches down the road if they're not performing? Will he have the time? So that'll be the mm -hmm. thing to see uh, moving forward. But uh, I think it's time for our 
favorite part of the show, or at least my favorite part of the show. I can't speak for Zach necessarily, but as I told you before, I love seeing him get some of these picks wrong. <clears throat> Arkansas, Georgia. <laughs> yep, let's move right into Pickums, and I'm going to start us off with Tennessee, South Carolina, since I just told you that I believe Tennessee will hang 60 points on the Gamecocks. I have the Volunteers winning that game 60-21. to 21. Well, I'm right there with you in terms of Tennessee winning that game and South Carolina only putting up 21 points. I don't know that I see South, uh, excuse me, Tennessee putting up 62 weeks in a row. Uh, I do see them maintaining a good high-powered offense, though. I have Tennessee 41 to 21. I like it. Um, what are your thoughts on the Arkansas Ole Miss game? This uh, this might be one of my favorite games coming up this week, and uh, I tell you what. I am going to roll with the Hogs in that one. It would be kind of unreasonable for me to pick them second in the West and then roll with Ole Miss in this game. But I guess I could say this too. I think East Ole Miss easily could jump out and take that game. But I'm going to roll with the Hogs. I like what they have to bring on defense. Georgia and how they performed there wasn't the best example of that because aside from that game, they have looked pretty solid on defense. Flipping it around to the offense, K.J. Jefferson has looked pretty dang good. Again, taking out that outlier against Georgia, they just didn't have a good performance altogether in that game. But I think that they remain true on both sides of the ball, get back to their performances against both those Texas teams. And I think that they actually keep, uh, they kind of mold into somewhat of what Alabama did to try and stop Ole Miss. And I think that they take that game 35-21. to 21. Uh, I actually am riding the Arkansas bus as well. Um, I'm anxious to see how Arkansas responds after getting punched in the mouth against Georgia. Um, I think they respond pretty well. Um, I think that you know their defense wakes up, their offense wakes back up, and I think they end up winning 42 to 28 against Ole Miss. Oh, similar score gap there, but I, I like the pick. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how Matt Corral performs, though. It's going to be hard to stop that high-powered offense from Ole Miss, so I'm going to keep my eyes on that one. Uh, I'm going to move next into Vandy and Florida. Uh, I, we just talked about Vandy. I don't know what else you can really say about that. I do think that Florida looks a little bit sloppy this year. Their two losses are kind of evidence of that. Really, the one loss is kind of evidence of that. They played Alabama really well, but Kentucky was not so much. But I think they get back on track a little bit. Um, I think they hang some points on Vandy like most teams uh, facing Vandy, at least most caliber teams facing Vandy have done. I think that Florida wins 41-10. to 10. Uh, Well, <laughs> we have a very similar score, Justin. I have Florida winning 42-10. to 10. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so there is, uh, you know, one point difference there. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything else about this. I feel like Justin summed it up. Perfectly. I just wanted to denote the one-point difference in our <laughs> scores. He's keeping he's keeping a record, folks. That's what he's doing this for. <laughs> and looking a little bit further down the road, Saturday, four o'clock uh, p.m. on SEC Network, North Texas versus Missouri. Who do you who do you favor in that one, Zach? Um, I favor Missouri coming off the loss to Tennessee. I think they're gonna, you know, get back on track a little bit, so to speak. Uh, they got a nice tune-up game in North Texas. I see them winning 28-14. to 14. I, I agree with you. Missouri, I think that they get back to a little bit of a winning way in that one. I, I kind of see it being a close game, though. I, Missouri, they got to show me some fight um, to for me to pick them in a, in a bigger gap in the future because this one's, this one's going to be close for me. 21-17 to 17 is my score prediction with Missouri on top in that one. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, I'm going to roll this right into Kentucky and LSU. Um, this one's going to be a very interesting game for me. Um, I, I like the matchup myself. Um, you know, Kentucky's coming off that high against Florida, you know, winning that game. LSU's coming off of a little bit of a lull against Auburn when they lost that game. I feel like this is going to be a defensive slobber knocker battle, 17-14 to 14 Kentucky. I like the Kentucky pick, and that's what I talked about earlier. Kentucky has been in these slobber knocker battles all season, and they have found a way to turn that into a 5-0 record. Uh, cap that off with LSU traveling to Lexington. That crowd was fired up last week when, when they hosted Florida. I think it's going to be more of the same. Close score, but I think Kentucky wins 24-21. to I like it. I like it. Um, and let's see, we got Bama and Texas A&M. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think Texas A&M, you know, they got punched in the mouth too. You know, I like, I like to see how teams respond after they get they get slapped around a little bit. Um, but I don't think they respond too well against Bama. Um, I actually this score right here, I have it the same as Florida and Vandy. I have. Alabama women winning 42 to 10. I agree with you. Texas a and I like seeing teams and how they respond too, but I think that Texas A&M does not respond as good as Arkansas does. But again, facing Alabama, what uh, what can you really expect there? I do think Alabama comes on top. Alabama keeps looking like Alabama, and they win 49 to 7 is what I've got in that one. Um, and then if you noticed, we kind of left Georgia and Auburn off. It's because, you know, we're going to, interview Jordan coming up um, and we just kind of wanted that to be the main focus. I will tell you that I have uh, Georgia winning 35-17 to 17 in that one. I, uh, I agree with the Georgia pick and again we won't dive into it too much but I think that Georgia's defense gets Bo Nix scrambling around like crazy much like LSU did and obviously I think Georgia's defense is much more stout than LSU so he's gonna be running for his life uh, I think it very well could turn into Georgia having its third consecutive shutout. Now, that may be too high of a praise. We're going to find out. But I have Georgia winning 42-0. to zero. All right. Uh, we'll uh, kick it to Jordan here in just a little bit. But uh, as always, we want to uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us a, you know, a retweet. We'll put this out on Twitter. I actually have a good buddy of mine, Jordan Hill. Um, you know, he works and covers sports uh, for the Auburn Tigers. He, you actually, you work at uh, the Opelika Auburn newspaper, right, Jordan? That's right. Um, so Jordan and I, we've, uh, uh, we go way back. We've known each other, what, about 10 years? That sound about right? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. We were both uh, interning at the same place and hoping our checks would cash in a few weeks. It was man. Yeah, it was definitely something. Um, but what we'll do, uh, I'll, I'll have Jordan here give us a little background uh, for him, and, uh, and then we'll get started previewing some Auburn and Georgia football, all right? So, Jordan, whenever you're ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so I grew up not far from, from where Zach was. I grew up in Jasper, Georgia, and I grew up, always loved sports, and, and as I got a little older, uh, you know, I kind of could tell that I like riding. I like sports as well, so I figured, well, that might be something you know, I can make a career out of. So when I was in high school, I uh, uh, started writing about uh, our high school, Pickens High School, and uh, covered their games, and then started working for the website that I just mentioned that Zach and I were, were writing for at the same time, and 
heard about Pickens County and Fannin County and Gilmer County, so got some experience there. Went off to college, started at North Georgia in Dahlonega, and was there for a couple of years, and transferred to the University of Georgia, which growing up, I was a big Georgia fan, so that was really fun, but got a lot of good experience uh, at the University of Georgia as far as taking journalism classes and kind of learning how to cover sports and how to do it well, so, so that was fun, and graduated in uh, 2016, and not long after that, uh, I went to Columbus, Georgia, and worked for the Columbus uh, Ledger Inquirer for nearly two years, and I was down there covering high school sports. Had to cover a little bit of Auburn, but not a whole lot, but mostly high school sports, and stayed there, like I said, nearly two years, and then came over uh, to the Black Auburn News, I guess that would have been like August 2018, and been there ever since. I came on as a high school reporter, and Right now, I'm looking at my second uh, full season as an Auburn beat writer. So, cover all the football games, go to the home games and the away games as well, and uh, cover men's basketball, and then kind of dabble in some of the other sports. But really, football and men's basketball are the big ones. And right now, it's a it's a very interesting time on the Auburn beat with uh, the football program kind of resetting with Brian Harson as the head coach, and then on the other side, the men's basketball team's got a shot to. Uh, be really really good this year so it's been fun and it's been a lot of twists and turns along the way but uh it's been very exciting and it's a fun uh been a really fun experience and i've definitely learned a lot to get to this point um yeah going back to uh you know a new time on on the plains um what are your thoughts of brian harson as you know the head coach i mean i know the success he's had at boise state but what do you what do you think he brings to the table for Auburn or and and what struggles that you foresee he might have in the SEC now? <clears throat> so I think the big thing, I mean, I think that his knowledge of coaching quarterbacks is, is among the best in the country. He's done a really good job and, um, and he, he has evaluated quarterbacks well. I know that um, back uh, when the draft happened, the NFL draft, the last one in the uh, uh, earlier this year, uh, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson were two guys that were drafted really early on. Uh, Zach Wilson, uh, second pick, and I think Trey was the third one to to the 49ers. Those two guys that Brian Harson had offered at Boise, and obviously uh, he didn't land either one. But I mean, Trey Lance was an FCS guy. Clearly, Brian saw um, the kind of thing uh, that he could bring, the the aspects of the game that really stood out about Trey, and clearly they. They both wind up being top five picks. So I think, you know, the way he coaches quarterbacks is, is really intriguing. And um, just his X's and O's. I mean, I thought that while he was at Boise, you know, you have to keep in mind, like, the competition level and all that. But was always really good about maximizing his personnel, um, you know, using tight ends, uh, you know, effectively working in trick plays and, and making defenses really stay on their heels. Um, so, so far, we've seen a little bit of that. I think it's still been kind of a feeling-out process for this Auburn team. And, and they've had their moments. I mean, uh, I think that there's been some things they've done that's been really nice. Uh, I think the biggest question mark, which even goes back to when Brian was hired, was how is he going to recruit? He's never coached in the SEC, even as an assistant coach. Really his only experience uh, in the South and, and in the Southeast. Um, was one year as the head coach at Arkansas State, and before that he spent two years as the offensive coordinator at Texas. 
Um, so a little bit of, ex- uh, of experience that is definitely relatable, but I mean, it's still, it's a different beast coaching the SEC, man. I mean, you, you really can experience it. And I think back to right before the season started, I believe it was linebacker Owen Papo was asked um, just about, you know, what do you tell Brian, you know, what do you tell Coach Harson about what to expect about, you know, going into SEC games, you know, playing in Baton Rouge, that sort of thing. And he was basically like, I can't really tell him anything. I mean, you, you just you have to experience it to kind of understand what it's like. Um, so, so that's been the biggest thing in the recruiting aspect, especially. Um, right now, you see it in Auburn's recruiting rankings. They're last in the SEC. Um, and there's a chance that that class is going to dwindle in the next few weeks and months because they fired their receivers coach after four games. And he's a guy that had helped them get three commits at the position all of a sudden we're looking at it and uh, you know, who knows if any of those three guys are going to wind up signing so that's going to be I was asked about this on the, the Dog Nation uh, live video that uh, AJC and Dog Nation do each week and uh, the thing I pointed to was what's going to make or break Brian and Auburn is how well he recruits and uh, you know he was dealt kind of a tough hand coming in when he did uh, in late December uh, because you know he had to put together what was left of someone else's recruiting class and they did a pretty good job given the circumstances but his very first class right now uh, it looks a little bit more questionable and they're going to have to figure out ways to get guys into the program and four stars and five stars because right now you look at the situation the two powers in the sec as it stands are alabama and georgia well look who's caught right there in the middle it's auburn Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you've got to find ways to get the, the top recruits. As good of a tactician and as good as an X's and O's guy as Brian is, it's not going to mean very much if uh, the other guys you're going against in your two big rivalries are all bigger, faster, and stronger. It's just it's not going to wind up, you know, playing in your favor in the long run. Yeah, and uh, the – the issue for Auburn there is, you know, it's <laughs> Auburn's a rival on both sides. So, like you said, the, you know, having to compete against the Alabamas and Georgias, it's it's just not – it's going to be tough slating right now. It's, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's how it is. For sure. And the thing to keep in mind, you know, you just look at um, the last, you know, from the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, when you look at how different SEC powers have risen and fallen. I mean, the, it sounds simple, but not everybody can win. I mean, somebody's going to have to, you know, take a step back. And, you know, obviously, Auburn could still be a 9-3 and three and 10-2, and two, you know, 8-4 kind of team. Um, but a lot of the time, you see it kind of dwindle off more than that. Uh, but, you know, if Harson can, you know, get these coaches and, and himself as well to really hit the recruiting trail hard, and, uh, you know, even develop some of those three stars that, uh, you know, have been coming into the program and are on the verge of joining the program with his first full recruiting class. I mean, that'll help. At the end of the day, you know, the, there's a reason a lot of those guys are four stars and five stars, and more often than not, they're, uh, you know, the large chunk of them are going to hit. And uh, you need those guys if you're going to have a chance at winning Iron Bowls and, and having a chance to beat Georgia. In, in a game that's sort of started to elude Auburn. I mean, they haven't won in Athens since 2005, and uh, it's been alternating every year since 08 between a win or a loss in Jordan Hare. 
and uh, it's not going to get any easier with how things are going in Athens right now. So it'll definitely be something to watch over the next few years. Yeah, um, you had touched on this um, as you were talking about Harson, but uh, you know he he fired that wide receiver coach. You know after four games. Um, you know what are your thoughts on that? Was it warranted, or should he have just kind of like let it play out a little bit? Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, I think that the thing that's really going to be the thing to watch with this is the ramifications. I mean, when it happened, I had a few high school uh, coaches and even just people kind of around the high school football landscape in the state text me just saying, is there more to this? I mean, essentially, did something outside of football happen to cause this? And, And the answer was no. I mean, it was all football related. And the thing that Brian is going to run into with this decision is that Cornelius was really looked at, Cornelius Williams, who was the receivers coach that he fired, um, was really looked at as a really good recruiter. He's uh, got ties throughout the state of Alabama. He went to Hoover High School. He was on two-a-days back in the day. He was a player on two-a-days. <laughs> I remember, I remember so, watching that. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're ancient. But, uh, <laughs> um, he, uh, but he had coached at South Alabama and at Troy, and I think even Jacksonville State, too. I mean, he had connections all through the state of Alabama. And two of the three receivers they have committed are from Alabama. And, you know, I'm sure when they committed, they thought they were going to come play for Cornelius Williams. And, you know, now he's not going to be there. Now, they haven't decommitted yet. I haven't really had any indication one way or the other that they will decommit. But that chance is very much there. And, again, if you lose, uh, you know, people from a class that's already last in the SEC, I mean, that's just, you know, that's not ideal. Um, So, you know, that's the biggest thing for me that, uh, as far as making that move, you know, the, the current crop of receivers haven't really stood out. I can probably understand Harson's frustration um, from how the receivers have played. And, you know, right now, John Samuel Schenker, a tight end, is Auburn's lead receiver, which is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. But you want to see more production from your receivers, especially coming off a year when you lost Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, and Eli Stowe. I mean, you knew that. You needed receivers who could step up, and they just haven't really seen that. So um, that's probably the biggest thing. It's just I think more than anything, there's going to be real ramifications with the recruiting class. And in replacing him, he promoted another Boise State uh, yeah, uh, staffer, Eric, Eric Boise State staffer um, that he coached with, uh, Eric Keesaw. And, and those guys just don't have ties down here. Those mm-hmm. guys don't have the recruiting connections. Um, and so you're kind of relying on guys like Mike Bobo and Will Friend and Derek Mason as well, um, who do have some of those ties and they can uh, try to shore up this recruiting class. Because, again, as good of a X's and O's guy as Brian is and has proven to be, it's not going to mean a whole lot if, if you're looking at bottom of the SEC recruiting classes. You, you just can't afford that. Yeah. And, uh you know, talking about Keesaw, I know he's you know he's been with with Harson at Boise State, and you know it seems to me like you probably want to um, you know keep a guy like Williams who has you know such great recruiting ties in your state that you're coaching in currently, and you know I don't know the motive. Obviously, I'm not plugged in uh, you know really much anywhere. Uh, you know, I'm just a guy you know that, that from the outside looking in pretty much, but. It almost seems to me like 
you know, when you bring a guy like Keysaw on, you know, who's who who was your offensive coordinator at the previous school, and he was he was what like an analyst or off the field position, whatever. It it almost seems like whoever isn't performing, uh, you know, Keysaw is always in the back of Harson's mind as you know somebody he can promote just like that. that like I said, that's I don't know anything. That's just kind of what it feels like to me. I think it's fair, and I think the biggest thing to me is kind of flipping it on the head of if you were really, you know, a big fan of Eric Keesaw, which is fine. I mean, they were productive at Boise, and he was a he was the sole offensive coordinator in 2020, and in 2019 he was co-offensive coordinator. But if you felt that strongly about him, why wasn't he just on the on the actual staff to begin with? Now, clearly, I mean, he he valued Eric because he brought him down and, and made him an analyst um, but it just sort of seems like to me if you were you know, really committed and on through four games you know with uh, three of those against you know pretty much cupcakes even though that Georgia State game uh, was a little, a little more close than uh, Auburn and uh, Brian Harson were hoping yeah. I mean that, that just seems like to me if you really wanted Eric on the staff uh, you could have found a position for him but I think part of that was probably understanding that there needed to be a balance. And, and, you know, I don't know how well it would have worked had Brian just had, you know, essentially his entire Boise State staff. Now, he brought a lot of staffers from there. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's got to have a mix of guys that at the landscape in the SEC and, uh, and know what it's going to take because uh, you got to have those connections. And when you're bringing guys that all are Mountain West uh, conference coaches, you're playing from behind, and you're and you're in the same state as Alabama. You can't really afford to waste any time. Yeah, to me, it seems like you could have, you know, waited out the season and then made a, you know, made a, you know, eva- reevaluated the position because I mean, Keysaw would still be waiting in the wings. Um, it, it seems like a little bit of a, a rash decision to me. I mean, yeah, granted to your point that you know the tight end is you know the leading receiver on the team, but you know you've you've you know, from an outside perspective, again, it seems like you've got really good pieces that can be utilized in the passing game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's guys that have definitely shown flashes, too. I mean, Cody Hudson has been uh, a guy that's made some big plays. Earlier in the year, Demetrius Robertson, who it's going to be a very interesting game for him because yeah. he's coming over from Georgia. So I'd be really interested to see what we see from him. Uh, but then he wound up not playing in that Georgia State game. and. And I don't even really remember if he played in the, in the LSU game. He might have played some, but he didn't really play a big factor. It's just been kind of comers and goers as far as the receiving core. You know, I'd say that the most consistent has probably been Kobe Hudson with Shedrick Jackson probably right behind him. Um, but you got to have production there. I mean, if if you can't, you know, if all you're really relying on is one receiver and one tight end, it's probably not going to go well, especially in games like this one. Uh, with Georgia, who I think is probably going to do a pretty good job of stopping the run, which is you know going to be Auburn's bread and butter. But mm-hmm. they kind of have struggled with the last two weeks. The Georgia State game, they really didn't run the ball very well. And then against LSU, it wasn't really until the final drive for Auburn that they got running really well at all. And it was basically about a 45-yard run by Jarquez Hunter that got things going. Other than that, they couldn't really move the ball on the ground that well. And the funny thing, going back to uh, Cornelius Williams and Eric Keystone, the best thing that Brian Harson 
uh, has certainly found since that debacle is that winning cures everything. The fact that they won that LSU game, that talk about receivers coach and, and what happens died down a little bit. Now had they lost to LSU and that been another loss for Auburn in Tiger Stadium, a place that previously they hadn't won since 1999, I, I can guarantee you we'd be talking a little bit more about that receivers coach position had that happened. Yeah. Um, I want to touch back on Demetrius Robertson just a little bit before we move into, uh, you know, previewing the Georgia game. But I didn't watch, you know, I didn't really watch that Akron game. It was Akron that they played at first, right? Yeah, that was okay. Okay. And then I watched, you know, some of the highlights from Alabama State. Um, but it looked like, um, you know, that was kind of Robertson's coming out party. You know, I noticed, you know, swing passes, getting him in, you know, given or let's you know swing passes and then getting him in like some jet sweep action stuff like that it it looked like he was starting to kind of gel a little bit i mean i know it was lesser competition but it it looked like he was you know kind of finding a niche there and then as you said you know he he kind of disappeared a little bit against georgia state and then you know going playing in lsu you know he, he wasn't a factor at all yeah, and the thing that really interests me, because, you know, I think it's fair to say his time at Georgia was a little bit underwhelming. I mean, this is a guy that, coming out of Savannah Country Day down there in Savannah, was a five-star. I mean, I remember, I'm pretty sure Notre Dame was the team that brought down their 18-wheeler, like, of their equipment, like, to, you know, drive by, basically, Demetrius's house to, like, try to impress him while they were recruiting him, and I mean, it was a big deal, and it was a big deal when Demetrius decided to originally sign with California and chose them over Georgia uh, coming out of high school. And he was really good as a freshman at Cal, and then I think he got banged up a little bit in his sophomore year and then decided to go back home to Georgia. Uh, and it was just kind of underwhelming. I mean, he had his moments, but not you know what you would expect out of a five-star receiver. And uh, you look at those early games this year, and when you have the kind of speed he has, you know, it's kind of uh, much easier to show out against an Akron. Or the Alabama State game was where he really turned it on. And I think he had a couple touchdowns, and one of them, like you said, was on the swing pass and basically just ran and let his uh, other receivers and the linemen set up blocks for him. But, uh, you know, you want to see a guy like that if you think he can potentially be one of your top receivers. He's got to do it in some of these big games. and. You know, I think it might have been the Penn State game or the Georgia State game, but he was there, but he was on the sidelines riding the bike uh, trying to get loose and uh, didn't really get factored in. And I know Brian Harson was asked about it a couple of days after the facts, and he was basically like, you know, uh, Demetrius was, was available. I mean, basically not that uh, he was missing from the field because of injuries. So, yeah. so this will be a, a big test for him and, and to see if he can get involved and, and play a, a legitimate role in this passing game. Yeah, I, I'm sure Auburn was expecting to get, you know, somebody closer to his, you know, freshman year at Cal when they, you know, offered him a spot to come in and play. But it hasn't happened to this point. Hopefully it will happen. You know, you don't want you don't want any you know, anything ill or bad to happen with these guys. You know, they're they're looking to better themselves academically and athletically. So So hopefully it will happen for him, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and if you're Auburn, I think that was a risk worth taking because 
they had relatively no experience in the receiving core coming into this year. I mean, the two guys that had the most on-field experience were going to be rising sophomores. So think about that. They were freshmen during the COVID year, and all of a sudden they have the most in-game experience. So it was definitely worth the risk. I mean, given this guy who knows how to play in the SEC uh, a chance. And at the very least, you know, maybe he's uh, showing those younger guys just what it takes in the weight room and on the practice field. So, uh, you know, it's and it's still early. I mean, he may wind up having a big game on Saturday that kind of gets things uh, looking back in the right direction. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously you want to see a guy like Demetrius who uh, uh, got nothing but praise from Kirby Smart when he left. Uh, Kirby talked about him at media days, and then was asked about him this week. Um, you know, could not stop, uh, you know, complimenting him as a as a fine young man and did everything right. Um, so you hope to see someone like that be able to succeed in the new spot. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's roll right into uh, you know getting a preview from your end on this Auburn Georgia game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the biggest thing to me is going to be Auburn's offensive line. If Auburn's going to have a chance in this game, they've got to, one, protect long enough for Bo Nix to be able to stand in the pocket. And You know, I hate to break it to Auburn fans uh, who were really impressed, and they should have been impressed by that LSU game. I mean, truthfully, I think that is the best full game uh, because Bo's had his moments and, and had some big moments in the past, but I thought that was the best full game I've ever seen Bo play. Um, but it's not going to be as easy uh, against Georgia as it was against LSU. And, and that was an LSU team that I just wasn't really ever that high on during this year. And they had plenty of opportunities. Uh, really, it was kind of more on the offense, the LSU offense, to have kicked four field goals at home. I mean, you just have to convert some of those into, into touchdowns. And had they, you know, we would be talking about a different situation. But the Auburn offensive line has got to one be able to let Bo stand in the pocket and, and not you know not put him in positions where he has to freelance because it's not going to go as well as it did against LSU. And two, probably more, more importantly, the offensive line has got to open up holes for the run game, a run game that we knew going into this year was going to be the key to Auburn having success and has shown flashes and has had one of the arguably the best freshman running back in the country in Jarquez Hunter. He's still leading the nation in yards per carry with almost 11. I mean, for a true freshman and a guy that didn't sign with Auburn until February. I mean, it's still one of the biggest steals that I can think of in recent memory just as far as a guy that, you know, had a few uh, notable offers like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but uh, really wound up being a huge gem uh, that uh, Brian Harson and those guys were able to sign late in the going. Um, but they haven't really run that well in that Georgia State game and um, that LSU game either. Um, the Georgia State game and the LSU game, it, it just seemed like, you know, those backs, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, just didn't have much room to work with. And just, you think about that, you think about uh, the, the the jump from Georgia State to Georgia, and even the jump from LSU to Georgia, I think is, is somewhat significant. Um, it's just going to be a, a very difficult situation. Auburn can't afford uh, to play like it did against Georgia State up front, or it's going to get manhandled. And you know, looking at this game, 
you know, I really think it's just um, when you think about SEC football, it's just all about who wins in the trenches. And, you know, you can have the best quarterbacks and you can have receivers out wide that can make plays. But time and time and again, it's all about who wins in the trenches. And Auburn's going to have to have probably their best game all year outside of the Iron Bowl uh, later in November um, up front in both, both capacities. Uh, you know, I think that they may get a, a real break and Stetson Bennett probably going to be playing Saturday instead of JT Daniels, who's still coming back from that lad injury. Um, but on the defensive side, Auburn's got to get after it. They can't afford to sit back. And the way that Derek Mason's defense plays, it's really off-man coverage, which is you're kind of giving that cushion to the opposing receivers um, and kind of laying back and playing a little bit more zone, playing kind of a little more passive on defense. But you do that with the thought that your you know, your uh, defensive line, uh, your your front can create pressure and cannot you know will make sure that that opposing quarterback can just stand back there and pick you apart. And, and they've had trouble with that. Sean Clifford had his best game statistically of his entire career, and I'm pretty sure at this point it feels like Clifford's been there 15 years. Yeah. He's a senior, <laughs> it's but been a while. he's played at Penn. He's, he's played at Penn State for a while. But he had the best completion percentage of his career against Auburn. It made it look easy. You know, they couldn't get after him, couldn't you know flush him from the pocket or or make him uncomfortable. And uh, and then for a while there, Max Johnson on Saturday looked really really good for LSU, and they finally kind of buckled down. And I think uh, you know got after him, forced a fumble at one point. Um, so to me, that's where the key lies um, is in the trenches on both sides for Auburn and. And if I had to pick one, I'd say the Auburn offensive line, just because I'm not totally convinced that this Auburn offense can score. And certainly, I'm not convinced that they can score consistently to try to beat a team like Georgia. Um, You've got to find ways to move the ball, and uh, Georgia has done a good job of stopping teams. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a huge task for the Auburn offensive line to be able to open up holes, because I think as good as Bo played last week, if you get into a situation where he's trying to throw 45 or 50 times, which is about like he played, um, he did in that LSU game, more often than not, it's not going to work out in your favor. That doesn't mean every time, because clearly it worked in Baton Rouge, but a lot of the times you're going to be looking at uh, a few turnovers in, in a situation where you're going to really have wished you would run the ball more. Yeah. Um... You know, I I've been a fan of Bo Nix. You know, I I watched his his tape when he was in high school. And I kind of familiarized myself with him, and uh, you know, he looked really good in high school. And I, even his freshman year at Auburn, I thought he you know he wasn't you know spectacular, but I thought he was a really good player. Uh, but but it seems as I've watched him now, you know, in in his third year, it, it just seems like he's 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 not looking to you know hold the ball to find an open receiver he it seems like he wants to kind of scramble out of the way if you know his first option's not there um it you know use the old adage it looks like he's he's kind of got happy feet because his feet aren't always set when he's throwing the ball no i think that's been uh, you know i think that's right and i think that that's been a big knock and fairly so on Bo's play uh, i think that yeah, the offensive line did struggle a good bit in 2020, and I think part of that had some lasting effects. I think that 
you know, I think specifically last year to the regular season finale against Mississippi State, I mean, it just seemed like he was taking the snap with the thought that I'm rolling out and I'm going to have to, you know, basically run for my life to try to keep a play open. It's just, you know, I don't think that that trust was there with that, with that offensive line. And I think that he, you know, rightfully so, they had played fairly poorly for a good bit of last year. You know, I think he was basically like, to heck with this, I'm going to just try to freelance and improvise and see what I can do. Um, and, and they struggled for a while in that Mississippi State game before kind of turning things around. And, and, you know, you saw a little bit of when it goes well, what it can look like on Saturday. I mean, uh, the very first touchdown that he threw, uh, or the, I guess the only touchdown he threw Saturday, the throw to Tyler Fromm, I don't know if I've ever seen a play like that. I mean, he was sacked at least three times. Yeah, and, I don't. I don't know how he got out of some of those, <laughs> some of those situations. No doubt. I mean, and there was another fourth and two later on that he was dead to rights and threw it to Kobe Hudson for the chains. See, the thing that makes Bo good is when you use his uh, ability and his speed um, to your advantage. I mean, because he—that's what he did at Pinson Valley in high school and. And some of his big moments in his freshman year at Auburn, uh, they really relied on his speed. And, and I think that they realized coming out of that Georgia State game that they, you know, had tried to kind of put, a, you know, a square peg in a round hole. I think they were trying to make Bo more of a pocket passer. And at this point, he's a junior. It's just not going to happen. It's just not um, something that he's capable of. But he can make you plays. And, uh, I mean, you may hold your breath while he's making them and, and just, you know, say a prayer while he goes out and tries to, to make something out of nothing. Uh, but when you can use his speed, there were a few design runs and a few options um, that they ran in that LSU game. And, and I think that's to Auburn's benefit to try to use his speed a little bit. And, and you want to protect him. You don't want him running, you know, significantly. But when you can kind of keep a defense honest because they understand that Bo can run, and that Bo can create while scrambling and, and trying to trying to make something happen downfield. I think that's huge, and I think that you know they've really tried to work on Bo improving and, and shoring up his mechanics. And I think we've seen some of that. I don't think it's been perfect, but uh, that's been a, a real knock on him, and, and something that you know with the previous coaching staff. I mean. The only success really Gus ever had at quarterback while he was the head coach at Auburn was with a transfer. It was Nick Marshall, and uh, it was Jared Stidham. And then Bo, as a freshman, I will say he played pretty well um, and had some big moments, but that wasn't you know established over one season. And, and he didn't have the sophomore season that you would kind of hope for as far as a guy taking strides and. You know, being more settled in and saying, okay, this is my second year, I've improved in these areas. There wasn't a lot of areas that you could kind of point to other than I think Bo really did get a little bit faster his sophomore year. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Bo is, is entertaining to watch. I'm sure he's frustrating for the coaches, and he definitely you know, kind of gets away from those mechanics somewhat. But uh, he showed on Saturday night he can make you plays if you put him in a good position. And, uh, and, you know, he got a big road win. That's been sort of the knock on him since he's been the quarterback at Auburn is that he struggles on the road. Um, that was a big win, but now he's going to have to try to follow it up with playing the number two team in the country in a, 
in the defense that's going to want to get after him and make him pay if he thinks he can kind of improv his way to points. Yeah, and, you know, that you say improv, um, you know, that comes from Justin, who's my co-host, he had a question about that. You know, he, as you mentioned earlier, there were a few times where he was dead to rights, uh, Bo Nix, that is, and he was actually able to scramble it out and find a, a receiver open. Um, you know, what do you see foresee? You know, he's it's going to end up happening against that Georgia team. There's just too many pieces that are that are going to break free. How do you see that playing out against this Georgia defense, whereas it worked against LSU? What are your thoughts about him having to improv against that Georgia defense? I don't think it's going to be pretty from the Auburn perspective. I just think that, you know, that LSU defense he was going against was still pretty suspect and, and was one that, um, you know, I'm still not convinced is fixed from the Bo Pelini a disaster in 2020, and, and I think it is that defense is improved, but it's still not, you know, up there with one of the better defenses in the SEC. And that's sort of what I'm, I'm expecting on Saturday is that Bo's not going to get as many chances to avoid tackles, and, and he still may make some plays. I don't think that, you know, he's just not going to have any sort of success. And far from it, I'm sure he's going to have his moments and. And keep you know Auburn's hopes alive, especially like in the first half of play. But I just think that um, there's not as much of a margin for error when you're playing in Georgia compared to when you're playing an LSU, an LSU team that in a few weeks we may be talking about looking at a new head coach. Um, so I think that you know the the thing with Bo is that he is prone to, to making mistakes, and, and he's done a good job so far. He has not thrown an interception this year. Um, but I'm really intrigued to see how he handles similar situations if he winds up scrambling and trying to create. Because uh, this Georgia defense can get after guys and can get after even um, really good teams. You know, I thought that Arkansas last week would at least give Georgia a game. I still expected Georgia to win and probably win by you know, 10, 11, 12 points. Uh, but Georgia put that game away early, and that's the thing that's going to really uh, you know, be something to watch is does Bo have enough time and have the skill to make some plays on a defense that hasn't given up very many plays this year. Um, so I'm not convinced that it's going to be as smooth, I don't know if you call it smooth, but uh, as productive as it was against LSU, uh, just because this, this Georgia defense is a, a couple steps at least above that LSU defense, and uh, I think Bo's going to find that it's it's much harder to try to kind of pull off some of those magic plays like he had against LSU. Yeah, I'll be the first to say uh, that, that that Arkansas game surprised me. I thought you know, Arkansas offensively would finally challenge Georgia a little bit, you know, how productive their receivers have been and how productive K.J. Jefferson's been. I actually picked that as a, as my upset of the week. Um, sadly, that did not happen. <laughs> but but that's uh, the other thing I want to touch on or I want to ask you about as you touched on it, and Justin had asked me this earlier, but, um, you know, you talked about, Ed O being on the hot seat, uh, do you do you think that LSU could make a change? I think so, and I think that the game that to me, you know, there's going to be a few, and if they have a bad showing against Alabama later in the year, that'll be a big one. But they play Kentucky this weekend, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Kentucky is a favorite. 
I mean, if you lose to Kentucky, which granted is ranked and is coming off a big win over Florida, I mean, that's going to be, that's not going to go over well in Baton Rouge. And, and I get the sense that, you know, not only with the team kind of trending down from 2019, but you have to keep in mind what's been going around the LSU football program with some of the mishandlings of sexual mm-hmm. assault allegations. And um, that's a piece of it. And I don't think that can be ignored. And, um, and it's one of those situations that's so weird, especially being here at Auburn. I've heard a lot of people comparing it to Gene Chizik, that you know, Gene was part of that national title team when Cam came in. And then two years later, he was fired. And, and if you look right now, Orgeron, that was two years ago that they won that national title. And things are trending in the wrong direction. So I don't know how soon a move would be made. But, you know, if, I think if LSU doesn't play well in that Kentucky game on Saturday, um, I think you'd put Ed O on watch. I think that you would keep an eye out because uh, when you lose to a team like Kentucky, Granted, a pretty good Kentucky team, but you know it's it's totally fair to say that the LSU football program should be uh, on the whole above Kentucky in football. Uh, people are going to notice that, and people in Baton Rouge are definitely not going to forget it. They have a bad showing against Kentucky. Yeah, uh, just a few more things, and we'll get this wrapped up, Jordan. Um, I don't want you to get you in trouble with the uh, the Auburn faithful there, um, but can you give me what your final prediction might be uh, for this Auburn Georgia matchup? Oh yeah, man. Hey, I, I stay in trouble. I don't <laughs> hesitate to, to give picks, uh, but yeah, I'm saying Georgia's going to win 27 to 10. It's going to be the big thing that I was sitting on really with uh, you know, my biggest keys to this game. It's going to be a lot of scrimmage, and I'm just not convinced that Auburn has the pieces on the offensive line, on the defensive line, to to thoroughly affect Georgia to the point that Auburn has a chance of winning this game. I will be interested to see how the atmosphere in Jordan-Hare is going to be on Saturday, Uh, especially because Georgia really hasn't been in a raucous road environment uh, since 2019, because, you know, COVID limited uh, significantly a lot of the attendance. And so far this year, their only road game is Vanderbilt. And, uh, Zach, I hate to break it to any of the Vanderbilt fans listening uh, to you guys. Maybe you got some Commodores uh, diehards. But um, it's going to be a little bit louder in Auburn than it was in Nashville. Yeah. Georgia played up there. So uh, I think it's going to be 27 to 10. I think that, uh, that Auburn... Uh, may be able to you know hang tight with them in uh, the first half, but I think Zamir White's going to uh, make some big plays, and I'd say early in the fourth quarter, Zamir will have a rushing touchdown that kind of puts the game away and uh, and puts a bow on, on what um, will be a uh, a good win for Georgia. And, and I'm still uh, I've been you know fairly impressed with this Auburn team, especially coming out of that LSU game. And, uh, you know, I think they're still a top 20, top 25 team, but I just don't think they have the guys on either line uh, that it's going to take to beat a team of Georgia's caliber. Um, I do want to ask you one more thing <clears throat> about uh, about Auburn. Um, you know, about the quarterback situation. I mean, obviously in the Georgia State game, you saw T.J. Finley, you know. Do you, do you first see that going forward, you know, Bo Nix may have a shorter leash now that, you know, we've seen some some positives from T.J. Finley, or do you 
do you think it's you know Bo's got a, a pretty decent lead on the job? Well, I think going back to something you said earlier, uh, it, I really thought uh, truly that TJ was going to start that LSU game, and and that was just you know pure speculation by me, but just because of how he played in the Georgia State game, um, I, you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I really feel like had Bo stayed in, I don't think that uh, Auburn beats Georgia State. TJ gave them a spark, and after the game, Brian Harson talked about, you know, you can, you know, break down things he could do better, and of course that Brian was going to do that because he's a coach, but at the end of the day, TJ helped him win the game. Um, so I thought that, that might kind of carry over, but uh, kind of fast forwarding after that LSU game, I mean, I think it's totally fair to say that Bo really cemented himself as a starter, and I think, you know, we may be talking at the end of the year and say that um, you know, that might have been the best thing for Bo Nix was the fact that he had someone challenge him for that job. And he had to stand there on the sidelines while his team won the game and a, a backup quarterback led the team to a win. Um, so maybe that was kind of the spark that Bo needed to say, look, someone's challenging me and I need to get better. And uh, he showed it in that LSU game. So, now I wouldn't say it's impossible that we see TJ, but – I think that Bo has definitely given himself a longer leash, and I think that maybe it showed the coaches too, hey, well, if we, we do this, this, and this in this offense, it'll set Bo up more for success rather than, like I talked about with that Georgia State game, it kind of seemed like they wanted him to be a pocket passer, and that's just not in Bo's skill set. I mean, that's uh, um, not something that he's built to do, and, and that's not when he's at his best. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, it's hard to predict the future, and it's hard to predict if, you know, say Bo struggles against Georgia, and then when they go to Arkansas next Saturday, if he has struggles again, they may turn to TJ. But just based off what we saw in that LSU game and the composure he held, I'd have to say that I, I think that Bo should have a longer leash. And, uh, and you know, I mean, TJ really looks at as the quarterback after Bo uh, because he – is a, a sophomore, but he's got that COVID year, you know, that free year of eligibility. So, I mean, he's essentially a freshman uh, for Auburn's purposes. So, uh, you know, I, I think that Bo has done a good job coming out of that LSU game, and we'll see how he's able to handle it going forward. But I'd have to think that he's got a little bit longer leash, uh, most certainly compared to when he was going into that game at Tiger State. Well, Jordan, I, I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time out of your day to uh, to talk with me. You know, give me give me some Auburn insight. Um, is there anything that you wanna you wanna plug um, before we get off of here? Because I know you I know you have your own podcast, uh, the Ready Player Run, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to because you know I'm a huge NCAA fan. So uh, anything you wanna put out there? Yeah, for sure. And, and Zach, always, I, I'm glad I was able to do this. you got to keep the Team FYN sports, the Fetcher News. <laughs> the the, the OG, OG Team FYN. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, everybody can follow me at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter and uh, at AU Blog. That's uh, the Auburn blog that we you know, have all our stories and we'll have photo galleries and videos and yeah, uh, also got an Auburn podcast with my boss, Justin Lee. It's called OA News Overtime, and we talk mostly Auburn football, but there's basketball and, and the other sports at AU as well. 
Um, so that's probably the biggest stuff, and just uh, just getting ready for Saturday, man. Excited to be back in Jordan here, and gonna be some familiar faces I get to see in the press box with some uh, some people I was around as a student. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a fun environment on Saturday. All right, Jordan. Uh, thanks again, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk to you later. Yeah, of course, Zach. Appreciate it. And anytime y'all want me to come on, by all means, I'll I'll do what I can to do it.